This is Morgan Hazelwood, back again with more writing tips and writerly musings. Today I'm back and here to talk about fairy tale contract law. Welcome to part seven of my Worldcon Conzealin panel write-ups. The panelists for the titular panel were Kathleen Jennings as moderator, Sasha Stronach, and AJ Lancaster. The panel description was as follows. <clears throat> Our panelists consider the various bargains made in fairy tales and fairy tale fantasy and what that means for the laws of the land of fables. How could Rumpelstiltskin's contract been enforced? What court could hold Jack of Beanstalk fame guilty of trespassing at least? When does a promise become a curse or a quest, a contract? Now, I love fairy tales, fairy tale retellings, and creating my own. So when I saw this panel was going to happen, I knew I did not want to miss it. When dealing with fairy tale law, the first thing we have to ask ourselves is who makes the rules? When reading fairy tales, it can be rather nebulous. It, to determine is a law intrinsic or just something instituted by a peoples. The power dynamic is sometimes part of the story. Who knows the rules and who enforces them? Baba Yaga, Rumpelstiltskin. <clears throat> In folk horror, the rules are unclear and will come and bite you. In fantasy, the rules typically come from the author or the rulers, something a little more knowable. Although we can't say that the punishment usually fits the crime. Like a force of nature itself, fairy tale contracts are a way of reassuring people if they follow the rules, they should be safe. But the saving grace of the fairy tale law lawyer, I guess, is that there's usually a loophole. The petty details are what keeps the capricious being from completely destroying you. With fairy tale law, consent matters. While in the modern era, a contract cannot be legally binding if the signer doesn't understand what they're signing, that rule is clearly not true in fairy tale law. Perhaps fairy tale law represents a shift in culture, whether one's word is something that can be trusted. However, fairies can't demand something for nothing. In order for you to get stuck in a fairy tale contract, no matter how capricious it seems, the fairy has to have given you something. This is why people are warned not to eat or drink anything in the Fey realm. You gotta watch out for yourself and don't accept favors because you'll have to pay them back. No matter how ignorant of the rules the victim of fairy tale contract law might be, the mortal has usually done something, consciously or not, to agree to the contract. Even if they don't believe it themselves. Think of Sarah in Labyrinth bargaining her little brother away. She never expected it to actually work, but she made the deal. 
Another way to get trapped is by either making false claims yourself or having someone else make them on your behalf, such as the woman in Rumpelstiltskin. Her father claimed she could spin straw into gold and dragged the titular character into the whole mess. Pretty sure if Rumpelstiltskin didn't hear his skill, he wouldn't have shown up. But in fairy tale law, cheating is totally fair game for getting you out. While the fairy folk might rant and stomp until they stomp their way out of the mortal realm, they can't deny your win. Likely because they cheated you into the contract in the first place so you can cheat your way out. But by doing the impossible, the main character of the fairy tale is shown to deserve their prize. So let's talk about a couple common tropes. Firstborns are often promised in fairy tales, perhaps as a way of winning back land from the humans that stole it from the fairy folk in the first place. With these stories being written in a time when the firstborn was often the sole or at least primary inheritor, that would make sense. And the youngest of three or seven or nine usually is typically the one in the story to save the day because in a time when the firstborn inherits, by the time you get to the lastborn, they're expected to get by with nothing but their wits or their cat, you know. While fairy tale law can be cruel and capricious, one can usually escape it if you follow the rules and think outside the box. So what are your fairy tale favorites and what loopholes have stuck with you? And that's all for today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, hit that subscribe button and share it with all your friends. It goes a long way towards helping people find me. And I'll be back again next Monday with more writing tips and writerly musings. Bye-bye.